All right. Thank you again for being with us this morning. Welcome to H2O Church. It's wonderful meeting a lot of you. This is such a blessing to be able to be here to hear from God's Word and be able to worship Him and turn our eyes from ourselves and our circumstances and really just focus in on what God is doing. If you've been here for a few weeks, you know that this summer we're going through a series on the book of Psalms called Unfiltered. If you haven't been with us and this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And what you've probably missed that I could probably summarize in a, in a, a sentence or two is these psalms are just cries to God. There's, they're words mostly from David. Other psalms were written by other people, but a lot of these were the words of David crying out to God. Songs of praise and songs of heartache. And these psalms are just really a lot of emotion. Uh, a, a lot of just sharing what's really going on in our hearts and a lot of passion and emotion. And these psalms have been teaching us that we can come to God with true honesty. He wants to know us intimately. He wants our emotion. He wants our passion. He wants that deep intimacy. That's why he created us. And so this psalm today, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 61. This is no different from some of the others. There's a lot of passion and there's a lot of uh, uh, intimacy here. So why don't I pray and ask God to speak to us as you turn to Psalm 61. God, thank you so much that although you are the creator of the universe and you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords and all power is in your hands, Lord, you know us and you want to know us intimately through a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. God, that is so amazing. As Andy was sharing, that can really blow our minds, God, as we humbly come before you and realize that someone of your holiness and someone of your power God, that you want to be in a relationship with us. God, we're broken people. We have so many flaws. We've strayed from the path many times. But yet you love us and you want to forgive us and you want to uh, be close to us. And for that, we thank you this morning. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us when we decide to ask you to come into our lives. And we pray that through the Spirit, you would speak to us personally today. Open up our hearts so that we can hear a personal word from you, from your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a psalm of eight verses. Let me read through those, and then we'll break it into some parts. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. In these first couple verses, it says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call to you as my heart grows faint. 
This psalm begins off with, like many of the other ones, where this, there's some emotion of just crying out to God. He said, I'm crying out to you. And one of the hints here of what we see going on in David's life is his heart is growing faint. There are always going to be times in our relationship with God where we really need to cry out to him with desperation. We need to cry out to him because our heart is starting to grow faint. Maybe we're going through a season of doubt. Maybe we're going through some really hard temptations. Maybe there's, there's disappointment in our life or hurt. There's so many different trials that the world throws at us and that the enemy throws at us that can really kill our heart and kill our relationship with God. God wants all of our heart. He wants all of our passion. He wants our faith. He wants us to pursue him. But there are so many obstacles in our way as we're walking with Christ. And David's going through that. We could speculate on what's going on in David's life. A lot of the time he was on the run because the enemies, his physical enemies, were trying to kill him. He was constantly trying to avoid assassination. And so some of his prayers were like, God, literally, you need to save me. These people want to kill me, and I'm starting to lose hope. This might be my end. And so there's this this cry to him, God, would you please help me? I need you right now really bad. There should be times in our lives, you and I, where we're in a state of spiritual desperation. That's an important word in our relationship with God. Desperation. We don't always live in desperation. Not every single day are we hanging on the edge of life. Um, You know, that would be a very stressful, anxious life for us, but there should definitely be seasons and areas of our lives where we're truly desperate. For a lot of us, we don't have enough of those times in our lives because we're very self-reliant. Maybe that's a personal struggle for you. You hardly have any desperation in your life for God because you're self-reliant. That's kind of the American way. You get this done on your own, in your strength. You get the, you get the credit and because it's your energy and you're accomplishing the things that you need to do in your life because you just pulled yourself up by the bootstraps and you're going to get it done. That could be true in some areas of life. But when it comes to our hearts, our spiritual walk, our salvation, what we're trying to accomplish for God's kingdom, we should be in a place of desperation because you and I have no power apart from God. Sometimes we're not aware of the spiritual battle that's going on around us. As it says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, to remind us that it isn't about you and I. It's about God's power. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is such a great passage that reminds you and I, we need this daily reminder that even though there's all these physical things going in in our lives, we're not battling against physical things, you and I. We're battling in a spiritual war. And if you try to go toe-to-toe with the enemy, the devil, who's trying to destroy you, who's trying to plot against humanity to not follow Christ, 
And if you want to go toe-to-toe against the evil of this world, you're going to lose. The Bible promises us that. We need to be in a place of spiritual awareness and spiritual desperation because we're in a spiritual war and we know our God wins in the end. And He's the one that gives us power. Even though this is a simple biblical truth that's all through scriptures, it's so easy for us to forget. It's all about His work and His power. It's not about you and I. There are special moments in life, special areas in your life that you need to accept that challenge that it's not about you and about your work. It's about His work and His power. And we need to be tapped into that. We need to be asking for His power. We need to be crying out like David did in desperation and said, God, if you don't show up right now in this area of my life or what I'm praying for or what we're trying to do spiritually, I'm sunk. He's the one. He's the hero of the story. You know, I love this, uh, this quote that I'm going to share in this story. Uh, this happened back in 1990. Um, and I apologize for you Cavs fans. We have a, a sad story for you this morning, a sad remembrance, okay? But this is way back in 1990. None of you probably even know about this or care. But anyway, back in 1990, there was this rookie named Stacy King. And he got drafted by the Chicago Bulls. That's kind of like winning the lottery in 1990 because this young rookie got to play with the legend Michael Jordan. Here's a picture of them. Michael Jordan and Stacey King. Okay, so after one of these playoff games in 1990, Michael Jordan against the Cavs scored 69 points and beat the Cavs. That's crazy, isn't it? A 69-point game. Michael Jordan just owned this game. He did all the hard work. He did all the heavy lifting. He was amazing. It was one of the greatest historic playoff moments ever, okay? After the, after the uh, game was over, they put a microphone in Stacy King's, uh, in front of his mouth, and he had one point in the game. And he's just a rookie. And he says, I will always remember this night as the game that Jordan and I combined for 70 points. (laughs) I just love that. That's awesome. Michael Jordan and I, yeah, together, we scored 70 points tonight. What a historic night. That's just a little glimpse into our relationship with God. We're the the rookie. We're the one-pointer. And we're walking with a God, you know, the 69-point guy, the guy that does all the work. Your God wants to walk with you. He wants to be your teammate. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to give you a power and take you places and do things in your lives spiritually that you could never do. What an amazing ride we get to be on. We've won the lottery when you understand in faith, in your mind and your heart, that Jesus Christ died for you and he now wants you to be on his team. Just like he got to, Stacey King got to be on these, these teams and win rings. He got to win championships at a young man because of the team he was on. You and I get to win some spiritual battles because of the team that we have been drafted to. And we need to realize that. We need to pray that way. 
We need to praise God and thank God and be close to Him so we can understand what He's trying to accomplish in our lives. So back to us personally. What are you personally battling for in your spiritual life? Why do you need God right now? Would you allow the Spirit to just give you a moment of introspection right now? What are you desperate for that God's trying to do in your life? There's got to be some kind of sin area that you're trying to overcome. Maybe something that you're praying for with your family. Something that you're trying to change in yourself or in this world around you that you and I need to be battling spiritually for. You know, I talk to a lot of Christians that aren't believing God for anything big in their lives. That's why I'm excited about sharing this this morning. You and I can go through our weeks. Maybe we think about it on Sunday, but when it comes to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the real life times, we're not believing God for anything. We're not needing God. We're not even close to being desperate. We're over here just living our lives in our own power. And this passage is telling us we need to really be praying and crying out to God to battle for some things in our lives or the people around us. This passage elaborates even more on it as we go on. The psalmist says, God, lead me to the rock, to you. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. He's asking him to to draw him into God's presence. Because God is the rock. God's the one that's higher than you and I. He's our refuge. He's the one that's going to protect you from whatever this world is going to throw at you to destroy you. Because that's the enemy's plot to destroy you. Your only salvation, your only hope to defeat the schemes are to run to the refuge of God in his strong tower. Last summer, I had the privilege of going to London. Some pastors gathered together and a pastor brought me to London. It was an amazing spiritual time meeting with these world leaders and, and uh, these, these guys from around the world that are leaders in their own country. And we got to do some touring and we got to see the Tower of London that's right on the north side of the River Thames. It's this gigantic castle. Uh, it's called like, it's actually the long name is the Majesty's Royal Palace. And this tower was beautiful to look at. It was huge. Just this gigantic fortress. It covers about 12 acres, this fortress. At its highest point, it's 90 feet tall. There's a picture here of of this tower. And just to stand there and imagine an enemy trying to storm against this castle with all these people up front on the offense trying to defeat the foe, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive to see. Have you ever seen those medieval movies where they're just trying to all rush into the fort when they're trying to, Lord of the Rings type of thing where the, the barbarians are attacking them and the people are like, we have got to get to the fortress and fortify the door before the enemy attacks us. You've seen those kind of movies. You and I need to have that kind of spiritual mindset when we sense temptation coming into our lives. 
when we sense doubt coming into our lives about the specific thing that we're praying for, that we're crying out to God saying, God, I need you to do this in my life or in this person's life, and that doubt is coming in, we need to run to the fortress. We need to run to the rock that is higher than us because that's where our protection is going to be. That is where we're going to be safe from the enemy in God's presence. He is our protector. He's our protection and our help against our foe. Praying and walking in the Spirit puts us in this tower. Do I need to grab a handheld mic with the popping? That'd be good. Sorry for the... If we're wondering how we get into the tower, into the protection of God, here's what it is. By you and I walking in the Spirit and praying regularly, that instantly puts you into the, the, the fortress of God. And that's the kind of day in and day out thing that's really important for us in our walk with God. How is your alone time with God? How is your prayer life throughout the week? Those are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves in regard to this psalm. It goes on to say, to elaborate even more, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. What is David talking about here with this tent? I think this could be a theological point that God loves camping if he's got a tent that's an awesome pastor joke right there, by the way. What is going on with a tent? I've been in a tent. I've been camping when the wind blows the tent over. What's going on here? We just went from a stone fortress that's 90 feet high to a tent. What is a tent going to do for us? Well, this is a reference back to Exodus and Moses. You see, Moses had a tent of meeting to experience God's presence. And the psalmist is referring back to Moses' experience with God. And you know what's cool about a tent and what the theological point is with God, I want to be in your tent, is a tent is mobile. That tent can go anywhere you go. And in Exodus, they did not have a stone temple. They didn't have this place that they went to and called, you know, church. We're going to church. They didn't have that. They had a tent, and this tent would move around. They would carry it to different places. But God used that as a symbolic place of his presence. In Exodus 33, 7 through 9, it says this, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away from the camp where the Israelites were staying. They called it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went into that tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When they were in the desert, the Israelites wandering around, this cloud of witness would come down representing or, or the presence of God is what really that symbolized. And so Moses would go into this tent and he would experience God. He would talk to God. Now, what does that mean for you and I today? Is that you and I need to realize the presence of God. 
that everywhere you go, just like the beginning of the Psalms, it says, if I go to the ends of the earth, God, I'm crying out to you, that wherever we go, we have an opportunity to dwell in the tent of meeting with God because the spirit that dwells inside of us. It isn't about coming to this physical building on a Sunday. And you know, our cry at H2O, this is, this is our prayer, is that this is not the spiritual highlight of your week. There are so many American Christians that they think this is the spiritual highlight of their week. Just coming here and singing and hearing somebody talk, and then I go home and I live my own life. That's not what God has intended for you. Because His presence and you sitting alone at a park or in your house or your apartment or taking a walk just somewhere and you opening up the scriptures and saying, God, speak to me right now. I need you to speak intimately to me and just go out on a date with God. We hope and pray that's the spiritual highlight of your week. Your tent of meeting that's everywhere you go. Any moment you need God. Some trial comes upon you or something's happening with your family or at work and you can say, Jesus, help me right now. I cry out to you, God, in this place, show up and be my God. That's the kind of ongoing daily relationship that he wants with you. So do you realize his presence in your life? Do you realize his constant presence during the week? And even though it's constant and all the time, do you also have a place, a tent of meeting? Do you have a favorite place where you go and there's fond memories of what God is speaking to you? I know I have those in my life. A few places. When I go into a, uh, an office with my guitar and I pick up my guitar and I start to worship, a lot of times I would go over to Carter Park and I would just walk around the parking lot and pray. And I've had so many good prayer times and, and times of worship like that where they start to add up. And I remember these fond places that God speaks to me. Just like when I go out on a date with my wife and we have a great date or we go to a special place that we like and we have this intimacy. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants you. He wants you to have these fond remembrances and these places that are special to you and to him. I pray that we have those, and that's, that's a, a great practical application for this week, that you would spend alone time with God if you haven't experienced that for a while. Know that he's waiting there with open arms to, to talk to you and to encourage you. No matter what you've done in your life, he wants to have these special places with you. To finish up this psalm, it says, For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. There's a lot in this section, but just to kind of highlight a couple spots, it says, God, you have heard my vows. And then later on, it says that again. Then I will sing praises to you, to your name, and fulfill my vows 
day after day. You know, when you think of vows, when we think of vows, we typically think of a wedding. One of our pastors in training, Joe Callagher, is getting married today. Him and Sammy are making their vows. It's an exciting day. And when you think of making a vow to someone or making a covenant, you're thinking about this long-term commitment, right? This isn't signing a lease for a year. This isn't just some little handshake that you're going to buy a car or buy a house or something like that. This is big. This is lifetime. And what this psalmist here is saying is, God, I want to praise you, not just today, not just this week, not till this trial is over. God, I want you in my life. I want to worship you and cry out to you for the rest of my life. Are you in it with God for the long haul? Is that a commitment that you've made that I'm not going to just serve God right now in college. It's kind of a cool thing, and there's a lot of people coming around. Or this season in my life, I've got some young kids, and I probably should take them to church. Or this is going on in my life, and I kind of want to be a little bit more spiritual. God is so passionate about you that he wants your whole heart for the rest of your life. And making that commitment to follow Jesus is not a season It is looking eye to eye with God and saying, I'm going to follow you when I'm 30 and when I'm 40 and when I'm 50. I want to daydream about the things that you're doing in my life for decades to come. I was at a conference recently hearing about this teaching. It was really impactful and there was lots of things that really encouraged me. But the guy talked about living your life and planning your life in decades And that kind of blew me away. I can be a very tyranny of the urgent type of person. I'm like, oh, God, just get me through this day, you know. Got all these things to do. Or this trial is going on in my life. And the things in my life can blind me and give me short-sightedness. And so when that pastor said, think about your life in decades, it's kind of like a spiritual eye-opening experience for me. And I started thinking, God, what's it going to be like with you and I in 10 years? What's it going to be like with you and I in 20 years? What are you going to be doing? And it really brought some intimacy and depth with my relationship with God because it made me just see in a deeper way that I'm just not trying this out. And I'm not going to let doubt come in. And I'm not going to let my faith waver because I'm building a foundation by God's grace that's going to last for decades. And that's what he's crying out here. One of the songs that I sing Uh, in my time alone with the Lord. This is probably the song that I sing the most. The words are by this guy named Bruce Cockburn. And he wrote this song. It's a beautiful song. Um, He's kind of a poet, really. And the song lyrics, I only have a little bit of them up here on the screen. But here's here's the longer verse that I really like. Lord of the star fields, ancient of days, Universe maker, here's a song in your praise. Wings of the storm cloud, beginning and end. You make my heart leap like a flag in the wind. O love that fires the sun, keep me burning. I sing these lyrics in my quiet time very often. And that last line, love that fires the sun, Keep me burning. There are so many times in life that you want to quit. 
There's so many times in the Christian experience where you just feel burnout or hurt or disappointed or you just see the depravity in yourself or the depravity in mankind and you think, man, God, I'm losing hope. And those moments where I can come to God and cry out to him, and it's all him. It's nothing to do with me. And he pumps me full of hope again. And I said, God, I don't want to be like the fireworks that we just saw on the 4th of July. They're beautiful, but they're so short. I want to burn for you like the sun burns. Whatever's in that sun that just keeps it burning, that's sustaining life for decades, hundreds and thousands of years, whatever's in there burning, God, that same power, because you're the one that's fueling that sun, keep me burning in that way. I can't do that in my own strength. You and I cannot do that just by trying hard. We need intimacy with God. We need regular times with God where we're going to that place alone with Him and letting Him speak to us and give us hope. So I'm just going to pray right now that this week, if that isn't something that you've done recently, just crying out to God, getting alone with Him, letting Him really speak intimately, maybe challenge you on some things that He wants to share with you, that you would take a moment or two or three this week, read through Psalm 61 and ask Him to, to change you. Ask Him to put something on your heart big that He wants you to pray for so that when He comes through, you know without a shadow of a doubt, that was God in my life. That was not me. And when you start tallying those up in your life, those God moments, those God-answered prayers, it really builds your faith and gives you hope. Let's pray for that.